В ім'я Отця і Сина, і Святого Духа. Амінь. Слава Ісусу Христу. Glory to Jesus Christ. Отже, святкуючи вхід у храм Пресвятої Богородиці, мусимо собі здати справу з того, яка це велика річ. Ми чули в апостолі, в посланні до євреїв, що священники входили в першу скиню, але тільки архієрей входив раз в рік у святая святих, і то не без кровної жертви за свої гріхи, і гріхи народу. So, so the letter to the Hebrews explains that <coughs> the Holy of Holies was reserved only for the high priest. So how is it that holy tradition basing itself on the proto-evangelium of James, a document from the second century. It didn't make it into the canon of scripture because it was from the second century, not the first. It was considered late, but there was nothing that was contrary to the faith in that document. It tells us about the life of Mary before um, the uh, Annunciation, all, all the lead-up to that, including her conception, her birth, and then that her parents brought her into the temple at the age of three, and that she entered into the Holy of Holies. Many people will say, oh, that's impossible. They, uh, they never let a woman enter. Even simple priests could not enter. You had to be the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. And so uh, modern critical readings of the Bible often say, ah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, that's a strange notion. That couldn't have happened. Well, you know, and uh, Jesus couldn't have risen from the dead. He couldn't have fed 5,000 people with uh, five loaves and two fishes, and I could go on and on. Um, there's a lot of impossible things that happen uh, in the Bible. But we have to understand the significance of it. Що означає це, що ця жінка, одинака жінка в історії, увійшла у святая святих Єрусалимської святині? No other woman in history had ever entered the Holy of Holies. But you see, she is the Holy of Holies. The Jerusalem temple was just the foreshadowing of who she was to be. 
the Jerusalem temple was the place of the focused presence of God who is everywhere. God is everywhere. But the Israelites understood that in the Holy of Holies of the temple in Jerusalem, God dwelt in a focused way for the Israelites to be able to worship Him. So, where else do we find God, uh, God present in a focused way? Well, in the womb of Mary. There, God, the Son, taking on human nature, is conceived by the Holy Spirit and grows for nine months. He lives inside of Mary. This feast should always remind us, uh, just as the Annunciation in the spring reminds us, um, of the sanctity of life. We have always believed that um, life is present, that person is present from the moment of conception. And uh, science has now confirmed that. I mean, you can't become another species. You can't become anyone else than who you are. And so to say that this is not yet uh, a person, well, uh, is simply uh, untrue. There is no way that uh, that can develop even the first zygote. Um, there's no way that it can develop into anything else but a human being. So, Mary then becomes the temple, who enters the temple as a sign that God's plan for the human race has been fulfilled. It has now been fulfilled. This, all the longing of uh, the faithful is now fulfilled, except it's done in a very quiet way, in a very humble way. That's the way the Lord wanted it. Remember, in uh, the letter to the Philippians, we read that the Son did not think equality with the Father something to be grasped at, but rather he emptied himself and took on the form of a slave, our form, um, in, in order that, that we might be able to take on his form. He became a human so that we might become God by adoption, not by essence. But still, that, that's the whole point. So I, I just want to contrast two events. One is when Gabriel 
the archangel, speaks to Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, that they are going to have a son. This happens in the temple. Um, and uh, what happens? This father of St. John the Baptist doesn't buy it. And uh, for that, he is silenced for nine months. He's not able to speak. And he has to use a little, I guess it was a chalkboard or something of that nature, to communicate. Uh, and then, a few months later, the same Archangel Gabriel comes to Mary. And her response is, first the question, well, how, how can this be? Um, I have not been with a man. Um, but it, you know, it's, the written word cannot capture the emotion of what is being said. Right? That's why you should never uh, write emails in which the nuance of your human expression is unable to be uh, transmitted. But scripture needed to be written down, so this is written down. So it wasn't, yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, uh, whatever. It wasn't that kind of response. It was uh, very well. Uh, I am the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your will. Um, it's not, you know, okay, you know, let it be according to your will with a, with a snarky voice. It's humility, genuine humility before an immense mystery, a mystery that she has to ask about. And Gabriel has to explain to her that it's the Holy Spirit is going to do this. She doesn't even really know the Holy Spirit. She doesn't know about the Trinity yet. But why is she so able to give that response when Zechariah, you would think he would uh, know better, would accept this miracle. Um, it's because she had been in the temple for many years. You see, some people think bringing a three-year-old into the temple to be raised in the temple rather than at home is cruel and unusual punishment for that child. Really? That child is brought into the very presence of God. Why? in order to strengthen her for everything that is to come. Not only um, being, uh, becoming 
pregnant from the Holy Spirit, um, trying to explain that to her betrothed Joseph. But all of the persecution that was to come and watching her son hated, watching her son beaten, crucified, where does she get the strength for that? She gets it from her time in the temple when she was in the immediate presence of the living God. It helped her to deal with the fact that she had the living God within her. That this little boy that she gave birth to was not just a baby, he was also the Son of God. How do you deal with something like that? I mean, if, if I were going to have a baby and somebody told me that uh, my, uh, my baby will be the uh, ruler of the world, I'd be kind of... Uh, shaken by that, or if I were told that my baby is going to be crucified, the most horrible way of execution, how would I handle that? How would I be equipped to handle that? But what does Mary say after uh, she's accepted this, and then she goes and visits Elizabeth, whose husband did not accept the news in the same way. And they greet each other. And this is what Mary says to Elizabeth. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaid. There is the humility that's needed to deal with everything that's going to come. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. We heard that in the gospel. Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts that nourished you. But she's not saying in a bragging way. She says, because he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's not proud of herself. She's proud of the Lord. And it's not just for what he did for her. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart. Just think. Here are these multi-billionaires who really want to run the world today. That's the proud, whom the Lord scatters in the conceit of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has given help to Israel, his servant, 
mindful of his mercy, even as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his posterity forever. So, for anyone who is worried about what is happening now in this country, and the direction that it might go, and remember that um, we could see real violence. It could be started by the left. It could be started by the right. There are radicals on both sides. And those on the right probably have uh, more firearms than those on the left, whose main weapon seems to be fire, not firearms. But you, can you imagine if dissatisfied, that's a very weak word, uh, with the results, with the final results of uh, this year's presidential election, one or the other side decides to start an insurrection. How are we going to deal with all of that? Well, um, there is a book that has been recently published. It's by Rod Dreher. He's the author of the book The Benedict Option, which um, talks about how St. Benedict, after the uh, basically the fall of Rome in, uh, and the whole Western Empire, um, there's chaos, there's barbarism. And where is uh, it all preserved, all civilization is preserved in the monasteries that St. Benedict starts. There's, that's where learning is preserved. That's where literacy is preserved. That's where books are preserved and copied by hand for hundreds and hundreds of years. Something that we can't even imagine. Imagine trying to capture all of today's achievements and keep them going in the midst of chaos. The title of this book is Live Not By Lies. That's taken from Soviet dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn's last words to the people of the Soviet Union when he was being exiled. I think it was 1974 or so. They had enough of him. They just wanted him out of the country. So he, of course he came to the United States where uh, anyone wanting to be safe and free used to come. And uh, but these were his last words. Do not live by lies. Can you overthrow this colossus, the Soviet Union? People were convinced that one person can do nothing. So it's just, you know, better just cooperate. And Solzhenitsyn, who is a believer, he's an Orthodox Christian, says, no, what you have to do 
is stand up for the truth yourself. So today we're plagued by words whose meaning has been changed. Concepts that we've known for a thousand years being overturned. Suddenly we no longer know what a man and a woman are. Uh, marriage is redefined. A constant barrage of changing words and ideas go much farther than just political correctness where people are polite and uh, may correct one another when someone uses, doesn't use the latest term. No, today, uh, if you don't say what they want to hear, you can uh, not only lose your job, but all prospects for employment uh, in the future. We need the strength to stand up to all of this the way that Mary needed the strength to stand up to all that she would see happening to her son. Because we will see opposition to Jesus Christ, who is the truth, the way, and the life. We need to cling to the truth. It doesn't mean that we have to fight every um, thing that is said. It means that we ourselves must be careful to not fall into that trap and say things that are not true. Uh, if it means avoiding a pronoun and just using a name over and over and over again, when normally you could use a pronoun, but that pronoun will signify an ideology, well, then we use the person's name over and over and over again. And if it's a woman who tells us she's a man, well, we can use the name that this person uses. I mean, I know there are women named Kevin today, um, that, you know, uh, who, who identify as women. They are biologically women, identify as women. They have, somebody gave them the name Kevin. So we can use that name, but we avoid using the pronoun. We avoid, we, we, we clarify for people the position of the church on uh, homosexuality. We, we don't want to persecute uh, people who have same-sex attractions. By no means. We're supposed to love everybody. But we can't condone homosexual activity. Um, and this is going out on Facebook, and who knows, maybe it will get canceled uh, for this. Um, but we cannot, we cannot fall into the lies. We have to stick with the truth. I'll be talking about this subject 
for some weeks to come, but that's the first step. To watch ourselves. We don't have to get ourselves fired. We don't have to get ourselves persecuted. Uh, those who are overconfident think, oh, I can take it, I'll take it all, you know. Uh, those are the ones who usually uh, fall the first. But those who humbly approach the subject and say, Lord, I'm clinging to you. You are the truth. And the truth that is not just my truth and your truth and everyone has their own truth. No, there is the truth. And it's not a what. It's a who. And because that truth dwelt in the womb of Mary, we exalt her. She is the treasury which keeps the truth. She is the vault. She is the tabernacle in which the living God dwells in a focused way. That God who is everywhere, present, and filling all things. That's why we celebrate her. That's why we magnify her. Velichayimu buhorobitsu tomushro vona yesviatenia. Odzisz Святиня Єрусалимська провіщала цю нову святиню Богородицю, але вона провіщає нас, бо кожен з нас стає храмом Святого Духа, і ми приймаємо тіло і кров Господа Ісуса Христа, які входять в кожну клітину нашого тіла, ми є наповнені його присутністю. Так, він є всюди присутній. Але він є в особливий спосіб у кожному з нас через святе причастя. So, the mystery goes on. God is everywhere present, but he's especially present in the temple in Jerusalem. He is everywhere present, but he is especially present in the womb of Mary. He is everywhere present, but he becomes especially present in each of us when we receive his body and blood. Amen. Vimya Otsya Isena Isvetoho Ducha. Amen. Slava Isusu Christo. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Mary.